0: You know, I I want students, I want teachers, I want parents, community members to remember the impact that I had on them and that, and be able to speak about it. That not, oh yeah, I had a good principal, but like, why was she good? Like, you know, oh, well, she came into the neighborhood. You know, my, 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 my child had a rough night one time.
1: Hello, Prince George's County, I'm Del Roten, and today is March 13th, 2020. In today's episode of the Prince George's Daily Podcast, I continue my interview with one of the most amazing leaders of the public schools in Prince George's County. Being a good parent to your children does not always only mean your children. And how does that make sense? Find out after the weather. This is Women's History Month on the Prince George's Daily Podcast we take this opportunity to focus on the phenomenal women of Prince George's County, the DMV and all over. For today's weather, our high temperature is gonna be 73 degrees under partly cloudy skies. We do have a 20% chance of rain today. Our low tonight will drop down to just about 39 degrees as the skies clear up and the potential rain moves out of the area, at least for the time being. For this weekend, we can expect high temperatures in the mid to upper 50s, with lows right around 40 degrees as cloudy skies stick around, threatening precipitation. Only 10 to 20%, though. If you are not already on the COVID lockdown, you might enjoy some fresh air in your backyard with no one else around, please. According to the National Weather Service, our sunrise this morning was at 7.20. Our sunset this evening will take place at 7.12. That's the weather for today, March 13th, 2020. Stay with us after today's episode of Phenomenal Women and Gorgeous Prince George's. We will bring news from the desk of Lillian Torres. In today's news, a police involved shooting in Potomac, school closings for Prince George's County, peak bloom forecast have been issued for the DMV. Stay here for today's news. You will want to hear more about these stories. Coming right up, Del Roden interviews Dr. Ryan Daniel, our prince georgian of the day this is the prince george's daily podcast at pgcc so when you were an administrator at the middle school
0: i, w- I was i was a teacher leader no not an administrator at all so i was still i was still in the, still in the <laughs> teacher capacity supporting um from outside of the classroom
1: okay so you were supporting teachers i was supporting at teachers at and classroom. students yes and then you support teachers at the elementary school, right?
0: Yes, yes, different capacities. so the the work was different. So in the middle school, I worked with we were we had a a one to one iPad technology program, and it was my job to provide um, professional development to teachers around the effective and appropriate uses of the technology within the classroom and then support them in that work and then help with management of it, just the the technical side of it. When I was in elementary school, uh, my focus was really on instruction and building um, the math uh, instruction for the school and then also being the testing coordinator. So for all of the standardized testing and okay. district-level testing that we were having, kind of being the management over that as well.
1: Okay, so let me ask you a question that's completely um, off to the side. Is there an impact from the federal policy on what you do in your school today?
0: Yes and no. It depends on the area. Um, so, for example, Chillum is a Title I school. And so Title I um, school means that we utilize federal fund funding. So I do have some regulations when it comes to certain ways that I use my Title I funding. Um I and Title one funding comes from the number of students that we have on free or reduced lunch meals. And excuse me with the title one funding, if I want to purchase, an item for my building, I have to show the justification of how this this item is going to support the instruction of my building and align it to the goals. So I can't just say, "Oh, I need a box of paper," and I'm going to use my Title I funds for it. I have to really outline and align the paper to whatever instructional goal that we have that we're having and how it's going to be measured. Um, so that's one way the federal um impacts our school, and then also I have a pre-K program, a full-day pre-K program, and that's also through federal funds. So it is income-based. I have to look through all of the um, applications and make sure that we are following the guidelines um, from the early childhood office and making sure that those students have what it is that they need.
1: When you look back at uh, when you first started teaching or when you look back when you were in the classroom, do you have a certain type of student who was your favorite to work with or um, easiest to work with? And of course, the opposite of that, the type of student who was hardest to work with. Mm. Now, that's the same thing from a principal's perspective as well.
0: Um, I, I, when I, I did not have a preferred student. I did not have a preferred student. I had a student that I naturally was able to um, support and work with the most. Um, I always received the most challenging students behavior-wise. That, you know, if if another teacher had difficult time with that student, I was the classroom that, he or she sent the student to whether it was my student or another student and and I think it's because I I really believe in building relationships with students and getting to know them and I think because of that I come from a different place with them um those students that have behavioral challenges so I take the time to get to know them and whereas some teachers Administrators may have difficult time with students that have a lot of behavioral challenges or very resistant to new relationships. I um, I thrived off of those students because that was a challenge that is like, I'm going to show you how much I care about you. Like, I'm going to show you how much I love you. and And then, you know, you keep showing that love, you keep showing that care. It ends up breaking down the wall. And then that student will go hoops and bounds and leaps for you. And then you get them to understand the importance of, okay, now that you show me this respect, you need to show your teacher this respect. And you need to show this teacher, you know, when I'm not here, you need to be showing every other um, staff member the same respect that you would show me.
1: In some ways, it sounds like mm-hmm. you're like um, another parent.
0: Yes, yes. Edu- Being an educator, you you step in a role um, as the um the other parent, it's the local parentis like we we take that role, parents send to school the best that they have, and they they expect the school system they expect the school to give all that they have and all that they can for their student and so we as educators, we step in that role we we're not just teaching them education. Like we're teaching them life skills. We're helping them navigate relationships and friendships. We're teaching them how to be in social settings, academic settings, how to manage their anger and their time. And you, so you step in that role as a parent, not stepping on the toes of a parent, but getting students to understand that, you know, we're working, we're working together for you.
1: So once again, to to me, as a novice, it, it sounds like, um, The idea that some people have that the parents and the schools don't necessarily work together is false. Mm -hmm. The parents and the schools work exactly together, especially at the elementary school Mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm.
0: At all the levels. It's important. It's not always the case that they work together. But at the end of the day, if we think about what is best for the student, what is best for the child, um, it The parent and the school, they have to work together in order for the student to be successful, no matter what level, no matter if they're coming into education at the elementary school level, you know, they're at that tough part of middle school or they're preparing for, you know, adult life. Like the school and the parents, they have to work together. And so that's why there's so much of a focus of schools getting within the community, opening their, do- their, their doors, creating structures um, in their schools for parents to be involved and be hands-on and kind of know what's happening and how they can support their child at home.
1: So just like a parent, you cannot have a favorite. You just have a different way. A
0: Different approach for everybody.
1: But you seem to have a talent for working with the students who who have um, a tougher time with everybody.
0: I, somehow that naturally fell in my lap. It's, it seems to be, and I and I only say that just of different students that I've had experience with, or um, when teachers call for me to come support them with a student, or they ask questions of well what would you do in this situation, Dr. Daniel? Or like how, like, I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know how to reach out to him. So I just kind of give them some, some ju- su- suggestions, like, you know, have you had a lunch bunch with him? You know, ask him, you know, do you know what he does over the weekend? You know, is she a part of any extracurricular activities? Did you tell her that you liked her hair today? You know, it's like she wanted, She she has a new hairstyle. Did you notice her today? And And Educators have to understand that those little things they matter to students, and it helps build the relationships with the students. So, a student who struggled all morning trying to get her hair done and fix her hair, she's coming to school. She's looking for an adult to say, "I like your hair today," or "I like that new, you know, that new thing you did with your uniform. Like that's really cute." She's looking for that because she may or may not have gotten that at home, and she's looking for us to kind of, um. Pat her on the back and say that we, we like something. So sometimes it's more than just education. It, it, it's really reaching and tapping into the heart of the child.
1: Okay. Now how do you deal with the teachers then? Um, as, as the principal, I'm sure there are some teachers who just automatically get it like you did. Mm-hmm. But there's some teachers who just don't mm-hmm. need to be trained a little bit. Mm-hmm. It,
0: it, it is it's knowing your staff. It's knowing everyone's strengths and areas of growth. Because we don't have any weaknesses. We just have areas that we need to grow in. And so it, it's really just knowing where they are and and where you need to get them to. And uh, I do a lot of differentiated professional development at my school. I do a lot of coaching. I believe that the principal is not the manager of the building, but they are the coach. They are the instructional leader of the building. And so that if that means me sitting down with a teacher and let's, let's look over your behavior plan, Let's try this. I'm going to come in tomorrow. I want to see if you try it. You know, those different things. Um, It's also getting them to collaborate and taking a teacher who struggles in the area to another teacher who is more successful in it and and walking with them and doing a lot of peer observations. So it's really meeting teachers wherever they are and helping them get to where they need to be.
1: Okay. Is there a a kind of person... That you would point to and say, "This is the kind of person who would be ideal for teaching at the elementary school."
0: Um, no, when when I interview when I interview teachers, um, I don't I don't do formal questions. I have a conversation with them, mm-hmm. and um, through that conversation, I I just learn a little bit more about them. And you know, if they truly have a passion for children, if they are willing to be coached if they understand how a child's mind works at from four to ten. Because that's a four four to ten is the hugest gap in the education system. Um they 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 the maturity levels are you know, a second grader can go home over the summertime and come back as a third grader and you're like, this is a whole different kid. Um so there is so much changes developmentally that happens in elementary school. And so I just look for I just look for people who love working with children and they are passionate about it and they're willing to um, hone in and strengthen their craft.
1: How do you see your job five years from today?
0: Five years from today, um, I, I hope to be in um, a leadership position that allows me to work and coach principals and to really help mentor and build their capacity on our students and how to work with teachers. Um I love being a principal. This was my goal, but it's not the ceiling for me. And I I've always wanted to see my impact in different ways. So, you know, seeing my impact in the classroom and then let me see my impact as, you know, over a whole school building, then a whole community. And so I'm interested in seeing what I'm able to do with all I've learned within Prince Shores County Public Schools um, to impact other principals and coach um, other leaders within the county.
1: What have you learned in your tenure as a, as a principal that you wish you had known day one?
0: Oh, um, the importance of delegation. Definitely the importance of delegation. I am a single administrator at Chilum, which means that I do not have an assistant principal. And that has been a challenge um, now going even into year three, just being able to delegate. I'm proud of myself. I've gotten a lot better than the first year. But delegation is hard, but it is it is necessary for the work as a leader. And so I wish, um, I wish I had paid more attention to how leaders that I've worked with delegated things in a different standpoint. And then also... Um, you know how to work with resistant teachers or staff members that are resistant to change, and you know just getting more, being equipped with more strategies. Because a a staff member that's resistant to change can really be a to- toxic person in your building, and if you don't navigate them correctly and strategically, you know it could it could really bring down the culture of the building. And I um. I would. I wish I would have asked more questions of how do you do this? You know, what what does the behind the scenes look like? Because you don't learn the behind the scenes at the principalship until you actually get into the seat. Right. <laughs> so the, if if there was anything, it would definitely be those too. And then just the work life balance, how to really uh, manage it. I'm a, a grown, have a growing family, and my my children are young. I have a preteen, and then I have a three year old, and just being able to balance work and home and making sure how do you do that that it's 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 a day-by-day it's a day-by-day challenge that i i think i'm getting better at but i i ask myself all the time who got the best of you today was it your students or was it your children and and you know asking myself that and making sure that i'm not so heavily involved in my school and the community of chillum and those students that i forget about my own daughters and and I encourage my staff members to do the same thing as well because being an educator and being a parent is a very tough job because you're working with children all day long and then you have to go home and you got to work with your student your child as well and and you miss a lot of moments you don't get to walk them to school the first day of school because you're welcoming students in your building um, and so it's you know it's 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 difficult to navigate and I try to lead my school with the Family is important. You know, Our your family, we're family here at Chillum, but your family is important. And your family shouldn't always see the back of your head, the top of your head, because you're pouring into your laptop. Like, you really need to take the time to spend time with your family.
1: Okay. What would you tell the 16 or 17-year-old future Dr. Daniel, based on what you know today from your experience as a principal, um, as an assistant principal, as an education leader, as a teacher, as a student in college, what would you tell yourself?
0: The sixteen-year-old me, the sixteen-year-old you, yes. Um, to keep going, to um, to keep going, to stay focused on your goals. I, at, at sixteen, seventeen, it was I was in a very weird navigating life self just kind of trying to understand everything and I would I would tell myself that you know keep going and stay focused on your goals because I believe staying focused on my goals is what led me to where I am now and when I became a principal I was actually the youngest principal in the county and um and then just even the accomplishments of being dr daniel and everything that i went through and endured to become dr daniel after a six-year journey at in school i'm working on my my doctoral um program and so if i could tell the 16 year old ryan anything it would be just keep going girl you got it you got it
1: i need to ask about what it was like to be the youngest principal in prince george's county
0: oh you know just always feeling like you had to prove yourself. And it was nothing that anybody said or did. It was my own. It, it was my own motivation to prove to people that I could do this, um, that I was capable of doing it, um, getting them to see me for what my strengths were and getting them to see my youthfulness as a asset and not a deficit. Um, and But I had to stop because I used to let it get to me because I was such a young educator I started teaching at the age of 22 and and then matriculated in the county kind of you know in some people's eyes very fast but had different experiences and I I would get upset when people would highlight my age and how young I was or you know oh you don't Have the experience, or you don't, you know, you're not old enough yet, or my child is the same age as you. I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it. And, but when I shifted my mindset around it and I stopped looking at it as a deficit and started looking at it as, man, look what I was able to do. Like, look at the motivation I could be to somebody else. And I started, I started changing my own narrative. I started telling my own story. And I believe that that empowered me. And so again, it was nothing that anyone else said or did to kind of put me in that box. I put myself in that box sometimes because I always felt like I needed to prove to everybody that I, I was, I was capable of doing this. And so when I started telling my own story and getting people to look at the, the experiences that I've had that led me to the position or where I was, um it made them look at me differently, and then it made my work even greater. I believe
1: did you ever have the the imposter syndrome that that young people talk about uh, who who reach high levels very quickly
0: mm-hmm. no i don't I don't think because um although although i've um although I am young i I also have built relationships with veteran and seasoned leaders. And I'm a sponge. I listen, I absorb whatever I can from anyone that is willing to coach me and is willing to teach me and you know, I will present at the different conferences, I'll go to the different meetings to learn more because again, I'm a learner and, and I'm not afraid to share what my goals are and that is something that I think has helped me that you know if i sat with the principal and they were talking like i i want to be a principal like i want to be a school leader can you help me can you coach me and and because i listened and i um was very very vocal about what it was that i wanted to do i think that helped me because i learned i i, I learned how to listen to others and i learned how to watch the model and watch the example and and take what i could from it and then make it my own, and then ask for help and say, and ask for feedback. So I love the feedback. I love the coaching. Um, I love the pushing and encouraging me. Uh, that motivates me. So where others, the constructive criticism is hard for them to take, I thrive off of that because I want to know how I can be better. Because if I figure out how I can be better, then now I can impact the whole school community.
1: And the last question I want to. Uh, ask you is to to go way forward in your your career when you're looking back at your accomplishments what would you like your legacy to be
0: Hmm. that I was a change agent that I you know I, I want students I want teachers I want parents community members to remember the impact that I had on them and that and be able to speak about it that now oh yeah i had a good principal but like why was she good like you know oh well she came into the neighborhood you know my my my, my child had a rough night one time and she was able to call call her I, I shared with her that you know she's not going to sleep and i have to work it late at night and then next thing i know dr daniel called the house at eight thirty to make sure that my child was in the bed like i i, I want them to remember that i was a a hands-on leader in the community, and that I cared more than anything. I, I always ask my students, even if I'm um, getting on to them about their behavior or academics or something, like, you know I care about you, though, right? Like, you know that I'm doing this because I love you. And their breakdown of tears or, like, I know or, like, I don't want to disappoint you, like, that makes me know that they get it. And so that that's what I want people to remember me about, that I was more than just a principal, that I, I was – a a change agent within the community within their lives
1: so when you become a motivational speaker (laughs) (laughs) well thank you very much thank you for coming out and i really appreciate this um i don't have any other questions thank
0: you so much for the opportunity was there anything i missed no no i think that was it
1: there was one i missed what what was your dissertation
0: Oh, my, uh, my dissertation was um, the motivational factors that impact novice teachers. So looking at um, what, base, what makes teachers stay within the county and not focusing on why they leave. And I looked at the difference between teachers that go through an alternative preparation program and those that go through a traditional route.
1: Okay. That's a
0: lot. Eye-opening. It really was. It was a mixed method studies. Okay. So <laughs> it's a piece of work. All right. I'll walk you out. All right. Thank you so much.
2: Hello Prince Regis County, my name is Lillian Torres and here is the latest news for today. Police in Maryland say that an officer fatally shot a man while a search warrant was being served. Police said in a statement that the shooting occurred early Thursday morning in the city of Potomac. It is a suburb of Washington. Police said that a tactical unit was serving a high-risk search warrant related to firearm offenses when the suspect in the case was fatally shot by an officer. Police identified the man as 21-year-old Duncan Secrets Lemp. He lived in Potomac. Police said the incident is still being investigated. The officer who was involved has been placed on administrative leave. Maryland officials have announced the state is closing all public schools for two weeks in response to the coronavirus. State Superintendent of Schools Karen Simon made the announcement at a Thursday news conference with Governor Larry Hogan and other state officials. Simon says schools will be closed from Monday through March 27th. It's crucial to take immediate measures to slow the spread of COVID-19 in school communities around the state. She says During the closure, all public school buildings and buses will be cleaned and disinfected. The decision came after Hogan announced the first case of community transmission of the virus in the state. And for our last news stories, the buzz are here, the buzz are here. Cue cherry blossom madness as the National Park Service announced the peak bloom forecast for March 21st to March 24th. This is when 70% of the Yoshino cherry trees at the Tidal Basin reach peak bloom. The Yoshino Cherry Blossom trees around the Tidal Basin reached Green Bud, the first of six stages culminating in peak bloom on February 28th, which is six days earlier than in 2019. On Thursday, March 12th, the trees reached stage four, Peduncle Elongation, the National Park Service says that on average peaks about eight days later. Just like all flowers in spring, the weather impacts the process. It can ruin the blossom if it's too cold or windy, and it can speed up or slow down how quickly we reach peak bloom. For the Prince George's Daily, I am Lillian Torres.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Prince George's Community News and Prince George's Community College. Celebrating over 60 years of offering the highest possible standards in college education for the county and the region. Visit us at pgcc.edu. The opinions expressed on the Prince George's Daily Podcast do not necessarily represent those of Prince George's Community College, its employees, or its affiliates.